thing I hope we've been able to talk about in this series is that uh, there can't be any buts. There can't believe can't be any I believe in God, but I can't believe in God, but I love my job more. I want more money. I want more fame. Whatever it is, it's just I believe in God. Today, as we end this series, we're going to be talking about something that all of us have struggled with. And it's I believe in God, but my life didn't turn out the way I had planned. I believe in God, but I feel like a I feel like a failure. I believe in God, but what happens when my plans change? My dreams die. What happens when you believe in a good God, but it doesn't seem like He's really good at the time? Because life is just throwing all kinds of mess at you. What do you do when stuff like that happens? Because it happens to each and every one of us. I believe in God, but I feel like God failed me. believe in God, but everything is just out of, seems like it's out of control. All of us have been there. I believe in God, but I don't know if my spouse is going to return home safely. And I want to talk about this situation today. I believe in God, but life doesn't support my belief in God. Talking about two things that mean a lot to me. The first is the Bible, but the second is music. You know, music is made up of individual notes that if you put in a certain pattern, they form well, they form what we call music, but really they're chords. And depending upon the intervals that you put them in, they're either major chords that sound happy or minor chords that sound kind of sad. In fact, one of the minor chords and pieces that you probably have heard is... Right? Beethoven's fifth. Right? It's kind of sad, kind of depressing, right? Well, so major, happy, or minor. And depending upon, you know, in classical music, there's always a very predictable element to chords. In fact, when you take music lessons, especially like in college, they want to teach you a predictable pattern where music goes. Um, in fact, uh, you've probably heard this song. that. Now some of you are going, that's the Alcoholics Anonymous song. Okay, it may be that. <laughs> but it's actually called Pachelbel's Canon in D. And it's a very predictable pattern that you know exactly where it's, it goes and it doesn't deviate from it. In fact, classical music is very 
predictable and it always wants to go. There's something called a tritone. And it wants to go back to the one quarter we're going to call the home chord. Very predictable. We like it that way. Now, as music progressed, it moved from classical music being very predictable to something that was very unpredictable in the romantic era of, era of music. And they threw in something called a deceptive cadence. And deceptive cadences, the reason why they did that is that you thought the song was going to end, and you thought it was going to go to that home chord, you thought it was going to go to this one, it's all happy, but it doesn't. It goes to a sad chord, it goes to a deceptive cadence. You thought something was over, but it really wasn't over. Not done, it goes to a minor chord. Now, the reason why they decided to throw in these deceptive cadences is because they wanted to create tension. They wanted to create unpredictability because music was getting kind of boring. They kind of knew where it was always going, so they said, let's throw in something a little unpredictable. And they would throw in something called a deceptive cadence on a minor or a sad chord. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this is because so many times... We get to a juncture in life and we think we know exactly where it's going to go. We think it's going to go here. We, I mean, we have this dream and God gives us this dream of, you know, I want to get married. I want to have children. And we think it's going to go here, but it doesn't. It goes... Because the dream that we had of getting married doesn't happen you know we pray and we pray God please please I want this new business venture to, to I want this new business venture to go I want the job God please give me this job and we start the business or we get the job and we think we know where it's going to go and it doesn't go the way it planned the way we thought we prayed and we said, God, please, I think she's the one. I think she is the one. Please give me a shot. Let her at least look at me. And you start dating. And where we think it's going, it doesn't because she dumps you. Or maybe you're a lady and it's just like, oh, I think he is it. He is fine. He's great. He's the guy. He's the man of my dreams. And you stand at an altar and you say, I'm going to love you forever. I'm going to like you for always. Problem is, forever is not as long as it used to be. And the dream that you had, you feel like it's dead. End of a marriage end of a relationship, the end of a job, the end of a promotion. What do you do when life doesn't turn out the way you thought? And there's tension, there's unpredictability. Something unexpected occurs. The minor chord hits, and it's just like, God, where are you? Where are you, God? 
What are you doing? There's tension. Unpredictability. That's what I'm going to be talking about today. You know, I could talk about this from 20 different people in the Bible. You know, I could, I could talk about this from Abraham. Abraham was a guy whom God said, I'm going to make you the father of a nation. I'm going to make you a country. By the way, you don't have any children. And you're 100 years old. That's an impossible situation. Or when he finally gave him a son, his name was Isaac. God told Abraham when Isaac was a teenager, I want you to take your firstborn and I want you to offer him as a sacrifice to me. Whoa, time out, God. I thought you said you were going to make me a father and you give me a son and now you're going to take him away? An impossible situation. Or, you know, I could talk about Moses. This guy whom God said, I'm going to make you a leader of an entire millions of people, an entire nation of people. And Moses is like, time out, God. I can't even lead myself. I have anger problems and issues. I can't even speak. A leader who had never led. That's an impossible situation. Or I could talk about Joshua. How God told Joshua, I want you to be the general of an army. Time out, God. I've never been in a fight. Impossible situation. Or David. How God chose this little shepherd boy who wasn't the firstborn, who wasn't the best, who wasn't the brightest, who wasn't the biggest, but he was the smallest. He was the run of the litter. And God says, I'm going to choose you, and you're the smallest, and you're the least, and you're going to go up against giants and kings, and you're going to win. Not because you're great, but because that is who I am. I am great. Or I could even talk about it from Jesus. How God came down in the form of a man and lived among people for 33 years. And he taught and he healed and he loved. And the people who were the most unlike Jesus are the people who loved hanging out with Jesus. And how God came down and you would think everything was just going to go as planned. Predictable. I mean, God's here. Everything's great, right? But yet, people got angry at him. They killed him. And God threw in some tension, some unpredictability. He threw in a deceptive cadence. You thought something was going to go one way, but it really doesn't. It goes a total different way. I could tell you this story using everybody's life in the Bible because that is how God works. God is a lot of things, but the one thing he is not is predictable. God is unpredictable. In fact, one of the names that's given of Jesus is the Lion of Judah. Now, I don't know if you know a lot of things about lions, but I know one thing today. You don't have a pet lion. You know why? Because lions aren't easily tamed. Lions aren't predictable. A lion is not an animal you can just put into a cage and throw some kitty litter at. 
because our God is unpredictable. He is unpredictable. God does his best work with unpredictability and tension and uncertainty. And the reason why is because that's where our faith can grow. Our faith grows best with tension and problems and the death of a dream. But I'm not going to talk about all of those people I just mentioned. I'm going to mention a dude by the name of Joseph. His story is found in Genesis chapter 37. And in Genesis chapter 37, God gave Joseph a dream. This is what it says in Genesis 37 verse 5. One night, God gave Joseph a dream. God gave him a dream that he was going to be a leader. That he was going to be a person of power. God gave Joseph a dream that he was not only going to lead his family and influence his family, that Joseph was going to lead and influence the entire world. God gave Joseph this dream. Joseph had a lot of things going for him. I mean, Joseph was the favorite son of a big family. His father, his father's name was Israel loved Joseph more than anyone else. And Joseph was favored. Another thing Joseph had going for him is he did have a large family. He had 11 other brothers and sisters. You thought your family was big. Joseph had tons of brothers and sisters. But the thing that Joseph had going for him the most, we're going to read over and over and over again, is that God was with Joseph. God was with Joseph. And Joseph's life was predictable. Joseph's life was certain. Joseph's life was happy. He had no problems. And some of you here today, you you feel just like Joseph. You feel like, you know what, things are going my way. And things are going exactly as I have planned. And my little plan book, boom, I'm checking it off, checking it off, checking it off. And it's just right on target. But for most of us, we can't relate to that. Because our dreams and our plans have not turned out the way we wanted them to. There's been tension. There's been unpredictability. There's even been some chaos. Because the wife that we chose bailed on us and took the children. And now you can only see them two weeks out of a year. The job that you so prayed for, because of downsizing, you don't have it. And the dream that you've dreamed for the longest time has now turned into a nightmare. And you feel alone. You feel abandoned. And your big question mark is, God really good? God really in control? Joseph's life was predictable. But it didn't stay that way. He knew exactly where life was taking him. 
that God had given him this dream. Some stuff started happening in his life that he didn't expect. I'll give you some examples. His brothers hated him because he was the favorite. Hated him so much that they wanted to kill him. And they were going to kill him until one person decided, hey, let's make some money off the dude. So they decided to concoct a story that some wild animals had killed him. And sold him into slavery. From there, he's dead to everyone. His father thinks he's dead. His brothers hate him. Pride getting dead. And that's where we pick up in Joseph's life. A level of predictability that's become unpredictable. Listen to what God's Word says. When Joseph was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. But the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. We're going to see that phrase over and over and over again. God was with Joseph even when bad things were happening to his life. You know that God is with you even when life starts stinking? Even when you think things are going at a certain place and they don't go where you had planned? God is with you. And it could be that when you think this is the end and everything is done and it's going one direction that God throws in a deceptive cadence. And you think it's the death of the dream, but it's really him taking that dream and turning it into reality. on reading. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything that he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything that he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything that he owned. So bad things happen to Joseph, he gets sold into slavery, and guess what? Some good things start happening, right? Some level of predictability, the tension is easing, and he becomes second in command of his master's household. His name was Potiphar. Second in command. And we read, but the Lord was with him. But God was with him even when all hell started breaking loose. Things start turning around for Joseph. Start coming predictable again and safe again. (laughs) But we're going to read that it doesn't stay that way. Getting ready to read another deceptive cadence. Verse 19. We're going to find out that Joseph gets accused of a crime he didn't commit. Accused of a crime he didn't commit by Potiphar's wife. And we read in verse 19, Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. She concocted this entire story up. Look at this. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there 
he remained. Next verse. But the Lord was with Joseph in prison. Some of you are asking the question, where is God in all of my circumstances? Where is God in all of this? Where is God when I feel like I'm alone in Afghanistan? Where is God when my spouse is gone to Afghanistan? Where is God when my spouse decides, you know what, I don't love you anymore? Where is God when the dream becomes a nightmare and it shatters? Where is God? Well, in Joseph's life, God was smack dab in the middle of all of this mess going on. He was right in the middle. But the Lord was with Joseph. I think that's huge. The Lord was with Joseph in prison. Verse 22, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. So Joseph... He's second in command at Potiphar's house, gets accused of a crime he didn't commit, gets thrown into prison, where the warden likes Joseph, and he becomes second in command of the prison. And things start turning around for Joseph because God is there in the midst of his circumstances. He moves second in command to Potiphar's house, to second command into prison, and through a series of crazy and un—I mean, unimaginable events, you don't see any of this coming. God's going to take him from being second in command of a prison to elevating Joseph into being second in command of an entire nation called Egypt. That's unpredictable. God gave Joseph a dream. God gave him that dream. And then his dream starts to shatter. When his brothers hate him, sell him into slavery, he gets placed into a home where he's a slave. He starts to earn trust and he becomes second in command of that home until the wife hates him and wants to do crazy things to him and He says, I'm I'm out with that. I follow God. So she concocts this entire story. And he gets thrown into prison. Deceptive king. And he thinks, this has got to be it. My dream is done. It's finay. Double bars. The music is over. But the music keeps on going. It keeps on going. And... The warden likes Joseph, and Joseph from there is elevated to second in command of Egypt. Now let me tell you, what makes that story so good is not because Joseph just had a cakewalk of a life. What makes that story good is that there is a lot of tension. In fact, what makes any story good is tension. What makes music good? good is tension. What makes a movie good is tension. I mean, think about it, y'all. If God answered all of our prayers the way we wanted Him to, give me a a spouse who loves me and an easy life with a good job that pays a lot of money so I can be rich and never have any problems and I'm going to live happily ever after. You know what? That, That life is called boring. In fact, 
An Arabic proverb says this, that all sun makes a desert. All sunshine makes a desert. Sometimes you need some rain to fall so that God's goodness and God's grace and in impossible situations, that's where God moves. If God answered our life the way we wanted him to, it would be boring and would be about as exciting as watching a rock. What makes a good story is tension. You wouldn't go to a movie if the entire plot was, they're just good. Right? The main character, hey, I'm just, I'm great. Next day is better than the best. I mean, it's just going great for me. Would you watch two hours of that and pay $9.25? What makes your favorite movie that you're thinking about right now good is because the main character had problems and unpredictability and tension. God wants to make your story something that can give Him glory, but in order for that to happen, He has to allow some tension in your life. God wants to make your story something that just shines, just shows Him off. But in order for that to happen, He has to put you into some impossible situations. He has to put you into some dark times because God works best in impossible situations. God wants your story to give Him glory. But in order for that to happen, He has to allow some some minor chords in your life. He has to allow some deceptive cadences. He has to allow some unpredictability and problems and tension. And though it's really hard to say this while they're happening, Tension is good. Tension creates a good story. Tension makes the music beautiful. And what seems like random intervals and happenings in your life is really God creating a symphony of your life that shows Him off. He is the master composer. He is the master painter of your life. And he's wanting to turn your life into a masterpiece. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says this. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good work and the good things he has planned for us from long ago. You know, the thing I like about that is if we are God's masterpiece, the Greek word for masterpiece is the Greek word poema. Can we all say that? Poema. And it literally means poem. That God wants to create a poem of your life. He wants to create a masterpiece of your life. But in order for that to happen, there has to be some tension. For God's masterpiece. So don't give up. Your failures aren't final unless you give in to them. 
This isn't the end for you. It's just the beginning of a new chapter of God taking your dream and taking a left, taking another left, taking another left until you're pointed exactly where he wants you to be pointed. And to create something of your life that only God can do. Create a, a work of art, a pattern of grace. God, I just thank you so much, Lord, that you can take those things that are just unexpected turns in our lives, and you can use those turns to point us in the direction that you had us all along. Lord, that we realize that tension is good, because he's making our story into something that's going to give God glory. And Lord, I thank you so much for that. Lord, that you can show yourself off an impossible situation which where I, I thought something was at an end. But Lord, it was just at a beginning. It's going to be a place where you make something that's beautiful. Lord, I thank you so much for Lord, that even when everything is falling apart around us, you hold everything together. I pray, Lord, that we would be reminded of that in the good times and the bad. When there's darkness, we wouldn't lose hope. God, we praise you and we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.